Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 468 for the 12th of Adar in a regular year. In the year 1985, a British author by the name of Alan Carr wrote a really fascinating book called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking. And in this book, the author presents a revolutionary approach to quitting smoking. And in fact, this method has been applied not only to smoking, but to many different types of addictions throughout time. And supposedly, I don't know if this is true or not, but supposedly it has a 90% success rate, or at least maybe that's that's what the author claims. But it's a re- really revolutionary approach. Uh, I only, I, I haven't read the whole book, but I... I read excerpts of it. Somebody recently told me about this book and I, I thought it was fascinating. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that it's not more popular than it is. But the basic premise of the book actually makes a lot of sense. And as we'll see, really lines up with some of the teachings in the Tanya, especially something that we're going to be learning about today. So the basic premise of the book is that when somebody is addicted to something, let's take, take smoking as an example, which was his initial example. There's a false belief at play that being addicted to something means that you like doing that thing. So if somebody's addicted to smoking, for example, there's an assumption that this person likes smoking. When in fact, and even the addict themselves might believe this about themselves, might think, yes, I love smoking. It's so much fun, even though they also want to quit. When the truth is they actually do not like smoking. I mean, we're talking here about somebody who actively wants to quit. So if somebody actively wants to quit smoking, it means that, and what what makes an addiction addiction? It means that they're doing something that they don't want to do. They're compelled to do it. There's a compulsive aspect of it. So the person is smoking, um, but yet they don't want to smoke, but they're doing it anyways. And somehow there's this trick going on in their mind that's convincing them that they actually do like smoking. They actually not only like it, but that they need to smoke. When in fact, um, this is not true at all. So according to Alan Carr, the mistake that most most uh, programs for addiction make is that it's all about self-control and it's all about denial. And it's all about, you know, working with the storyline that the person really loves smoking, but they need to control themselves. They need to hold back and deny themselves from this thing that they really love. And what Alan Carr tries to do is he tries to really, um, reprogram the mind. He says that an addiction is really, there's a brainwashing component to it, that the addiction has brainwashed the person into thinking that they actually like whatever it is that they're addicted to when actually they don't like what they're addicted to at all. When the addiction actually brings the person into this vicious cycle of providing like 
this quote unquote like remedy or medicine for feelings of unease or discomfort when really the source of the unease and discomfort is the addiction itself. So he gives this example of like, you know, that the way he likens an addiction to is like buying a pair of, of shoes that are too small, that you wear the shoes that are too small just so that you can then take off the shoes and feel a sense of relief. So really, it's not that people actually like the addiction, it's that now the addiction has given them this source of comfort, whereas before they didn't have, before they discovered the addiction, they didn't have this discomfort that they had to get away from to begin with. So where does this bring us to in Tanya and why am I bringing this up over here? So first of all, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I, I love talking about addiction. To me, addiction uh, and Tanya really go hand in hand. Obviously, there are greater forms of addiction, less severe forms of addiction, different types of addiction. Some are physiological, some are more psychological, all kinds of different things. But to me, an alternative title for Likutea Amarm, the first portion of the Tanya that we're learning, could very well be how to not be an addict. Because really we know that um, that the whole idea of the Tanya is about learning how to get close to God, learning how to connect with God, to, uh, to develop a sense of love and fear of God, uh, and to not have a love and fear of anything else. And what is that anything else? So as we come to learn, as the more we learn Tanya, is really that anything else, anything that's not God, is really what we can think of as an addiction. Because well, when it comes down to it, anytime we have a craving for something that is not for that we can, cannot use for a godly purpose, there's absolutely no neutral purpose for it. There's no such thing as something that's that's you're doing an activity that's neutral. There could be a neutral material, a neutral object that you can use to serve God, or you can also use God forbid for a destructive purpose. But there's no neutral activity. Every activity you're doing is either vivifying you in a in a way that is connecting you with the source of your life, or is God forbid doing the opposite, is de- is depleting your life force, God forbid. And so just like uh, Alan Carr called his book The Easy Way uh, to Quit Smoking, I think it's a very interesting parallel that, again, the kind of like the thesis of this entire Sefer of Likutia Marim is that this thing is very near to you, that the ultra really wanted to show how serving God is actually a very easy thing. It's not something that's like difficult. It's something that we really just, we, we can all do. We can all access it. And what does he mean that by it being easy? So just like in Alan Carr's book, it's all about just shifting your mindset, just doing this, just meditating and, and having this mental shift and realizing that you actually don't like cigarettes. You think you like cigarettes and, and you've been brainwashed into thinking you like cigarettes. But when you come to realize that you actually do not like cigarettes, what are you doing? Why are you feeding into this habit that you don't like? Then you can easily quit. Similarly here too, um, what the ultra tries to describe to us in Likutea Marm, and especially in today's chapter, which we'll focus on soon, uh, is really all about once we realize what our true life force is, once we realize what's really going on, then serving God means is, is actually becomes quite easy because we realize that we don't really want anything other than God. And our true desire is just to be close to God. And everything else is just, we're just brainwashed. It's just a ch- tourist trap of the world. And 
again, another parallel is in Alan Carr's method. He talks about how once a person shifts into this mindset, then quitting their addiction no longer becomes a chore. It no, it no longer becomes this like idea of self-restraint and like holding yourself back and oh, wow. And oh my goodness. It actually becomes very joyful. It actually becomes a very exciting process where you real, realize that now you're finally free from your addiction. You're finally liberated. Now you can relax. Now you can enjoy your life. So similarly here too is one once you realize that this holds that the world has over you is actually silly. It's nothing but a scam. It's nothing but a, but a tourist trap. Then you can come to truly rejoice in God and truly rejoice in doing God's will, keeping God's commandments. So we started talking about this kind of idea yesterday where we began a new chapter, chapter 33, where we came to this beginning meditation of, of how to access this joy. Uh, and for context, again, the past few chapters that we've been studying is all about how to access joy, how to go away from depression, sadness, uh, how to squash sadness, squash depression. And that the way to do that is to really just, you know, recognize uh, our Yitzhahara, recognize our animal soul, recognize the Klippos for what they are, that they're just a scam. They're just a tourist trap and just break them down and, and squash them and, and, lose uh, and don't identify with them as much as you think you should and instead begin to identify more with your godly soul and pay attention to the godly soul part of you and really nurture that really feed that and and tr and uh, have compassion for how enwrapped it's become within the clutches of the klipos and really put all of your focus into trying to redeem it so yesterday beginning of this new chapter of chapter 33 we talked about this idea of how when we awaken this godly soul element of ourselves, we come to this realization that not only is it just very beautiful and connected to God, but it actually is totally unified with God and that we're not alone in this process at all because in fact, God is everywhere. It's just the klipos, you, you know, um, prevent us from seeing it. But the true reality is, is that God is very much present here in the world, just as much as he was before the creation of the world. He fills all the worlds equally and there is no place devoid of him. There is nothing that can exist apart from him. Um, Everything is considered as if not and nothing in, in in relation to him, just like we likened it to like the ray of sunlight within the sun, that we're all really in the source, which is within God. So now today the ultra rabbi continues along these lines, focusing on the fact that not only is this something that is true, that is a reality, that we're all a part of God and God is everywhere, but in fact, the awareness of this, the consciousness that this is true is actually something that we all have within us. So it's not even something that we really have to work for. This consciousness, this idea, um, this awareness that we are one with God, this otherwise is known with, the, the term that's used for this is emuna loosely translated as faith, but it's really not an accurate translation. It means a lot more than faith. It really is this part of ourselves that just has this consciousness that God is real, that God is connected to us. God is unified with us. And this emuna that we all have, this faith, quote unquote, that we all have, and the unity of God is again, it's not something that we had to work for. It's it's something that was just, an, it was given to us as an inheritance from our forefathers. And 
it was passed down to us. So just like, as we'll see, the ultra is going to explain this, just like imagine if you just received this inheritance that you didn't even know that you had a relative who was going to leave you an inheritance. And then you suddenly discover, like you get a check in the mail and all you need to do now is go to the bank and cash this check. Uh, like how amazing is that going to be? You're going to be so excited about that. So it's really, again, about realizing this inheritance that we have deep inside of ourselves that we don't have to work for. We just have to acknowledge that it's there. Again, Lahav deal, to go back to the example of the addiction and Alan Carr's method of quitting smoking, when a person comes to realize that they actually do not enjoy smoking, they actually enjoy having healthy lungs, they enjoy breathing well and being able to walk quickly and things like that, once they realize that's not something, you know, everybody likes to breathe, everybody likes to uh, breathe fresh air. So it's not that they have to learn how to enjoy breathing fresh air. They just have to get in tune with that part of themselves, that, that, the, that very real part of themselves that enjoys breathing properly. So too, for us, in order to access this uh, joy in our lives and joy in in God, we just need to access this imuna that's inside of us that we possess, that we that we got just as a gift, as an inheritance. So again, so for context, so we're going to get into the text now. And for context, we are still in the middle of, of chapter 33, which we began yesterday. And the ultra begins like sort of as a continuation from yesterday. So yesterday we, we concluded with this idea that we should acknowledge that not only is God everywhere and we're connected to God, but it's like the way that we can think about it is that we're like living in God's home, just like, and, and the imagery that was given was like a king. Imagine if a, a famous king were to invite you into his home to live in his his palace with him. Like you feel so honored and, uh, and amazing, especially if you were just like a common citizen, like, you know, like, bear, like, who are you that the that the king's going to invite you to live in his palace? So that's what all of us are. We're just like these simple folk that God invited into his palace, which is the world. And for this, this experience of joy that we sh should experience through acknowledging this is the basis of the prayer. So this is a prayer that we say every morning, um, which says how fortunate are we, how good is our portion, how pleasant is our lot, and how be beautiful our heritage. So now the altar is really going to focus in on this uh, idea of the heritage, our lot, our heritage. Like why are these words specifically used in this prayer? So the altar says, like just like a person would be very excited if they received an inherit a great, great inheritance that they didn't work for. Like if all of a sudden you just found out, you know, like um, uh, in, in Monopoly, it's like bank error in your favor, collect $200 type of thing. Like you just come across a bunch of money that you didn't work for. It's a very exciting experience. So we should also have this joy when we realize the fact that we too have, we've actually received an inheritance and it's actually a much greater inheritance than just money or something like that. Uh, but actually it's, and it's much greater than any kind of in inheritance like that. Uh, this is the inheritance of the unity of God, this idea of the unity of God, that there is nothing, no place devoid of him, even here on earth. Um, and this is, this is God's dwelling place down here in the world. And this is the basing, basis of the teaching that we find in the Gemara. And this is Masachat Makot, page 24a, where in the Gemara there, uh, the sages examine a citation from Habakkuk, um, from the book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 
2, verse 4, where it says, Vetzadik b'munato that a tzadik lives by his faith. So what does this mean, that a tzadik lives by his faith? So the Gemara says, you know, um, there are 613 mitzvahs, there's a lot of mitzvahs in the Torah, and then here Habakkuk comes and like condensed them all into one. And what is this one thing? Is this idea of faith, this idea of emunah. As if really, it's like we didn't even need the 613 mitzvahs. We just needed this one mitzvah of faith. Why? Because if a person has this faith, this uh, if somebody really cultivates this faith in God, this will lead them to keep all the other 613 mitzvahs. Like it will, this will all follow. So again, what this makes me think about is like, again, Lahavdil, going back to the idea of addiction, somebody's addicted to cigarettes. So, you know, we know that there's like these different programs, like the 12 step programs and all that stuff. And you have to focus on this step and that step and all these different steps. What, um, but an alternative approach that you can say here is instead of focusing on all those steps, get to the root of the problem, come to realize that you do not like smoking. And when you realize that you do not like smoking, you will never smoke another day in your life. And so similarly here too, it's like, yes, we can focus on the 613 mitzvahs. Sure. And there are, they are important and, and we need to focus on each and every one. But if we want to get in, go about it in a more holistic and kind of more direct way is focus on the facts that you believe in God. And not only do you believe in the existence of God, but you believe in the unity of God and that there is nothing apart from God. And when you come to realize this, then you will naturally just be motivated to keep all the 613 commandments. It's going to be a, a natural ramification of that. And you will come to have this experience, this great joy in keeping this one mitzvah of believing in God, because that itself is a mitzvah to believe in, in God's unity. There's a side note. There's a discussion for another time. Is it a mitzvah to believe in God? Is it not a mitzvah to believe in God? It's not so simple. There's actually a whole bunch of different um, opinions about that and what the, what believe in God actually means. Uh, the Hasidic approach, as far as I understand, is to believe in the existence of God is not a mitzvah, but to believe, but the mitzvah is to actually believe in God's unity and God's oneness, which encompasses God's um, transcendence, that there is, it's not like the world and God, but it's, it's just God. There is no nothing can have an existence apart from him. And so this idea, like, so when a person comes to recognize this, they're going to experience great joy in keeping this mitzvah of believing in God and God's oneness. And, uh, and this is going to lead, lead them to not have any other obstacles to hinder them from keeping all the other 613 mitzvahs. And this is the idea of when we go back to that saying from Habakkuk, where it says, that he will live. So what does it mean to live? So to live means like to be revived. So it's as if he's resurrected from the dead. So will his soul be revived in great joy. Uh, and this is a great um, joy, a joy that is uh, doubled and redoubled joy. And it's an additional joy in addition to the joy that we spoke about yesterday about this idea of God dwelling together with him. Um, so that's the end of the section for today. And tomorrow we're going to continue along these lines when we're actually going to take it even a step further and we're going to talk about how this consciousness that we need to cultivate that the ultra is asking us to cultivate um to bring joy to ourselves not only will bring joy to ourselves but it's actually going to transform the world in a in a very in a perceptible manner so stay tuned for that and i will speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. 
To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.